Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here today. As we worship you and we could sense your presence in such a wonderful way. Thank you already for the lives that you've touched here. Not only those around the altar, but those sitting in their seats. Thank you for your blessings. And Lord, now as we are about to break the bread of life. I want you to know I need you. I can't do this in myself. Speak to our hearts. Reveal your truth to us in a very powerful, powerful way. May when we leave this place today, we will be different men and women and young people. Speak your word to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you'd like an outline of this message today, please raise your hand if you don't already have one. And Brother Steve will make sure you get one. I want everyone to have an outline of the message. Follow along with us. This is a powerful, powerful scripture that we're going to be reading today. We start off, first of all, with Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, speaking of Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air, they have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their dead, their own dead. First go and bid them Well, we back up, dead, bury the dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let me say here while we're reading this scripture, this is no means saying that God, the Lord, does not, is not sensitive to the needs of those that are sick or death or those things whatsoever. What he's doing here is teaching us lessons in urgency and certainly against procrastination because that was what was going on here. Now let's read also 1 Kings chapter 19, begin with verse 19. So he departed from there. This is the prophet of Elijah, the prophet Elijah, the prophet of Israel, and is speaking of him. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Saphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the twelve. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen, Elisha did, and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them, And boiled their flesh, using the oxen's equipment, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. That's found in 1 Kings. We now go over to 2 Kings, and we go over 20 
years later. 20 years have uh, taken place since uh, 1 Kings chapter 19 and 2 Kings chapter 2. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elisha said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on, and fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, Please, Let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. For if not, but if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. And went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. I love this story. I love the story of this great prophet Elijah. He was the greatest voice or one of the greatest voices that had ever proclaimed throughout Israel. 
It's interesting what happened. Before I get into that, I want you to read with me the introduction that we have. Generally speaking, Americans are very bad about making solid commitments and following through on them. Why do two people decide to live together? In the 1960s, one out of ten couples lived together. Today, six out of ten couples live together. I believe the primary reason is that they want to experience all the benefits of marriage without any of its commitment and without any of its responsibilities. They want the benefit of a sexual relationship without having to make a permanent commitment. There are millions of people in America who attend church, but they are not committed members of that church. They want to live with the church, but they don't want to marry the church. Tonight we have water baptism. We baptize in this pool. And we'd like to congratulate all the candidates. The water is being prepared or is is prepared. It's warm. I'm baptized in pools and lakes and uh, uh, rivers that were very cold. This is warm water. And we look forward to it. But that's a time of commitment. And what I wanted to share this morning was on the subject of commitment. And I don't know of a better example than to look at the life of Elisha. This great man, Elisha. Are we committed? Are we committed to our husbands and our wives? Are we committed to the church? Are we committed to God? Are we committed to our families? Let me give you some statistics. 15 to 20 million Americans have said they are Christians, but they want to be part, but do not want to be part of the church. Around 80% of American evangelical churches either have plateaued or are declining. I remember when a young man, we went to church. We were committed to the church. We were committed to Sunday morning. We were committed to Sunday night and to Wednesday night. And we often had two, three, maybe five or six revivals. And they were not three-day revivals. They were one- and two-week revival. We often had that many revivals a year, and you were there every night. We were committed to the church. It was important to go to church. I'm not sure that we need to go to church that much today. But I am sure that we need to be committed to the church. We need to be members of the church. Pray for that church, attend that church, support that church with our prayers, and certainly with our financial support. The Lord uses the local church today. The Lord uses the local church today. It's biblical. It's it's so biblical. And we encourage you, and we have about maybe eight or ten that's going to join the church tonight. By the way, I want you that's not going to be baptized and that you're already members of the church, or whether you are or not, we want you to be here and support these candidates. Following our service, we're going to go to the fellowship hall, and they've already provided, will provide for us 
some snacks we're going to be eating in fellowship together. I know you're going to want to come and get some snacks. So be here tonight. Commitment. How important it is for us to commit. Let's look at Elijah's successor. Uh, When he was thrown, that coat was thrown on him or the mantle was thrown on him. That was significant because coats during that time were, of course, uh, uh, displayed their their type of work or their ministry, whether a priest, a prophet, or whatever. Notice, first of all, the call of Elisha. This divine call came while Elisha was plowing oxen. They had a number of oxen. He was they were it was a wealthy farmer. He had his dad, and while he was occupied. While he was working, while he was busy, I believe this morning God calls busy people, not people that's lazy and want work and not willing to do anything for him. He's called Elisha while he worked, but then was working. And then he told Elijah, let me go back and bid my parents farewell. When he went back, He took and he killed some of the oxen. He cooked those and he had a party. They had a celebration. He provided for not only his family, but for his neighbors. And they enjoyed that. Not only did he he kill the oxen and cook the oxen, but he burned the equipment that he had for farming. So he really and truly was going to break from the past. That's one of the problems with people today. They're not willing to break from the past. We want to accept Jesus Christ. We want the blessings of the Lord, but we're not willing to turn loose from the sins and the things that pull us down from the past. Elisha was. He burned or he cooked and uh, ate the oxen. He burned the equipment. Elisha also followed this man, Elijah. The divine call was one of self-sacrifice, not only one of self-sacrifice, but of peril. Someone said it this way, don't chase after your own ministry. Ask God to send you a minister to serve. You know, all of us have a ministry. And I believe that we should pray about that. I believe that we should certainly ask God about that. And we should certainly be sensitive to his call upon us for ministry. But I believe if we're willing to serve first, God will bless us in our ministry. I remember 1959. 1959 is when I graduated from high school. I lived down in Sampson County. I attended a church in Sampson County called Midway. The pastor of that church was the same pastor that pastored this church. He pastored two churches at that time. And so we attended the church at Midway. Well, when I graduated from high school, I moved to Durham in the month of December of 1959. And I became uh, so close to the pastor. And from 1959 to 1969, I served the pastor of this church. 
Pastor Zeb Holder. I traveled with him, traveled with him from all over the state of North Carolina. We were gone most all the time. I worked a full-time job, and yet we were out 10, 11, 12, 1 o'clock. Many nights, we not only attended church here in Durham, we attended the church in Midway every week, every week. We traveled with him. But not only did I travel with him, pray with him, support him, and love him, but I would, I would do certain things for him. I would cut his grass. I would polish his shoes. I served him. Elisha was known as the one that poured water. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11. Jehoshaphat tells someone there, this is a man, or someone told Jehoshaphat, this is a man that poured water on the hands of Elijah. That mean, meant that he was close to him. That meant that he served him. He was not looking just for a ministry, a pulpit to preach in, but he served this man, Elijah. He became his servant. You're talking about being committed. He was committed for 20 years to wait on him. The test of Elijah's commitment. We find here steadfastness and consistency or constancy. We believe, I believe, that in order for us to be effective for God, that you and I are going to be steadfast, no matter the circumstances, no matter how we feel. I'm going to be in church on Sunday morning. I'm going to be in church on Wednesday night. I'm going to be at prayer meeting on Friday night. I'm going to be faithful to the call of God. Now, Be it far from me to say that going to church is all there is to it. That's not it. Because much more goes on outside of the church. But going to church is a great indication. Me coming home at night to my wife is a great indication that I love her. And I'm committed to her. And I think it's important that we understand that. That we become committed. And... uh, we're living in a, in, in a society and a culture where it's so hard to see people get committed, whether it's a job, whether it's the family, whether it's certainly a, a church or serving the Lord. But God is calling his people to get committed and to be steadfast before him. A faithful servant was Elisha for 20 years. Number three, commitment requires several things. Look at what it requires. First of all, commitment requires a primary decision. Elisha made a decision to kill those oxen. Can you imagine what his dad maybe, what the neighbors would say? This young man is coming in from the field, takes and kills their livelihood. Not only does he kill the animals, but he burns the equipment. He was determined not to go back to that lifestyle. He was determined to follow Elijah all the way. In other words, he made a decision. Elisha made a decision to use the animals and implements of his former livelihood to host a farewell celebration. 
God wants us to make a decision. Back in 1963, September the, thank you, 15th, I stood before my pastor's brother, which was from South Carolina, which was a pastor, and he asked me, would I commit to my wife? And I said, I do, and that's been 53 years. Has it been easy? Not for her. Marriage is hard sometimes, isn't it? But I believe in making that commitment, saying, hey, we're going to sink or swim together. I believe in making a commitment to our jobs, making a commitment to our church, making a commitment to God, making a commitment to others, and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a decision. I made a decision. September the 15th, 1963. Number four, commitment requires determination. They go on a trip after 20 years of serving him. And they first of all leave a place called Gilgal. Now if you study this, and I won't go into that this morning. All of these names where he was at or where they traveled to and through, they meant something. But they left Gilgal. And then they went to a place called the house of the Lord, Bethel. They go to Bethel. And Elisha was determined to go. Elisha's commitment was tested three times by Elijah. He was resolved to go with them. They come to this place at Bethel. There were sons of the prophet. There were places for the prophets to be, and they were sons. And maybe not necessarily each of these uh, men were sons of men of God, but they were sons of the prophets, those that were there. And they looked at Elisha and said, Elisha, I don't know how the word got out, but it did. These prophets knew it. The sons of the prophets knew it. Elisha knew it. Elijah was going to be taken away. And everybody knew it. And they said to Elisha, don't you know your master is going to be taken away? And Elisha said, "Mm mm-hmm, I know it. Be quiet. Leave me alone. I'm determined I'm going to go. Elijah got ready to leave Bethel. And he said to Elisha, stay here. Elisha said to Elijah, no, I'm not. I'm going with you. As the Lord God lives, I'm going with you. He had determination. Opposition did not shake his resolve. Opportunities did not shake his resolve. No matter, obstacles did not shake his resolve. I like that. I love that statement. We need men and women that we don't let obstacles, opportunities... All the things stop us from serving God. Wouldn't it have been nice? Listen to me. Wouldn't it have been nice for Elijah to stay there with those preachers? Had three-course meal a day. Enjoyed himself. Said, well, I'm studying to serve God. And uh, I'm going to be a prophet one day. Why can't I stay here? He said, no, I'm going to follow Elijah. Commitment requires not only a decision, it requires not only a determination, but commitment requires discipline. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, But reject profane and old wise fables or fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. 
godliness, exercise. I've been trying to lose weight lately. It's not easy. I want to get down to a certain weight. And I have to watch myself. It's hard. It's not easy. But I stepped on the scale the other day and I said, Carol, I got there. One of the things I stopped doing was eating after 7 o'clock at night. That helps lose weight. It's discipline. It's called discipline. But we don't want to discipline ourselves much today. We want to do what we want to do. Go where we want to go. If I don't want to do this, if I don't want to do that, I want to satisfy what? Self. Commitment requires discipline. There must be effort. If we want to succeed, there must be discipline. There must be effort. Commitment requires decision. Commitment uh, requires determination. And commitment uh, requires discipline. And fourthly, Commitment requires devotion to God. This was testing Elisha's devotion to his master, to Elijah. He wanted to see. He leaves Bethel, stay here. He goes to Jericho, the same thing happens. There's prophets, comes out, the sons of the prophets, tell him his master's going to be taken away. I know it, leave me alone. I'm going with him. Elijah says to Elijah, stay here. No, I'm going with you. And he goes with him. To Jordan. And those sons of the prophets, they stood way up on this mountain or this hill and they looked at Elijah and Elisha as they came to the Jordan. And they watched as Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up and smote the Jordan and it parted and they walked away, walked across on dry ground. Wow. Elisha was determined to follow Elijah. After they'd gotten across the Jordan, Elijah looked at Elisha and said, what do you want me to give me? What do you, what do you ask for me? And Elisha said, I want a double portion. You say, well, that's really wanting to be double what Elijah was. No, he was not saying that at all. Elisha was saying to Elijah, I've looked at you, your life, I've observed you, and I can't do what you do if God don't give me a double portion. I'm unable to do it. Just to be able to do what you've done, I need a double portion of the Spirit of God. Well, the Scripture says here, your spirit, your character, what you have operated in, the Spirit of the Lord. Elijah said to Elisha, you've asked a hard thing, but I'll tell you, if you see me, when I go, you'll receive it. So the, and I love this verse. And they walked on and they talked with each other. They walked on and they talked to each other. And all of a sudden, now you can think of all the movies that you've seen Hollywood produce. You can think, you can, you can think of all the production, the lights, the scenery, everything that they've ever done. Nothing compares to what Elisha was about to experience. Because they're walking together. And all of a sudden, there's a chariot of fire 
All of a sudden, there's horses of fire. And it swoops down and separates these two. And Elisha stands there and he watches Elijah as this chariot of fire, horses of fire. Can you imagine? I I can't even comprehend horses of fire, chariot of fire. And all of a sudden it swoops down, takes Elijah and takes him to heaven. And wow, what a scene. What an experience. It was so moving until Elisha took and ripped his clothes in two pieces. And then all of a sudden he gathered himself, reached down and picked up the mantle of Elijah. And he goes back to the Jordan. And those prophets are standing watching. And they see him come to the Jordan that's running over its banks, uncrossable. And he takes the same mantle that Elijah used and he smote the Jordan and he says this, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Let me ask you something today. 2016, in our nation, in our world today, where is the Lord God of Elijah? He won't ask him, where is Elijah? He knew Elijah was home. He knew Elijah had gone to heaven, but he wanted to experience the power and the anointing and a double portion of the Spirit of God. And he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? I believe that's what we need to ask ourselves today in our society today. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? I want to tell you something. If we're going to be effective in the kingdom of God, in, in, in our time, we're going to need a double portion of the Holy Spirit. We need people to get saved, genuinely saved. We need people to be baptized like tonight. We need people to join the church. We need people to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and the anointing like the early church received on the day of Pentecost. And then we need to see the fruit and the uh, gifts of the Spirit operating today in this hour in which we live. More than ever before. Because that's the only way we're going to have the ability and the whereof to see God deliver and set free today. It's happening all over the world. It needs to happen here in America. It needs to happen here at Bethel. It needs to happen in our lives. We, we need to see the manifestation of the Spirit of God. But listen, it's not just going to happen. It's going to take commitment. You heard what the Lord said this morning. I hear you praising. And that's great. Worshiping God. Going to church. Paying the tithe. But are we willing to pay that price? Am I willing to hunger for God and say, God, I'd rather have you more than anything in the world. I'd rather see your spirit move in my life more than anything in the world. Let me end this by saying what Elijah said to Elisha at Bethel, at Jericho. He said, Terry, here. 
Elisha said, I'm not going to do it. I believe there are voices all over America saying today, Terry here. You don't, you don't need to go to Bethel. You, you, you don't need to go to Jericho. You, you don't need to go down to the Jordan. Terry here in your prayer life, you don't need to go Friday night to pray. You, you don't need to go every Sunday morning to church. You don't need to go across the street to witness to a neighbor. You, you don't need to get excited about serving God. You can, you can serve Him. You can just live for Him and, and do your thing and you make it to heaven. Terry here. Terry here in your commitment. Elisha said, no, I'm going on. I'm not going to stay here. He was faithful to the end. God's calling his remnant today. Don't stay here. Don't stay here in your walk of life. Be committed to grow. Be consistent in your walk so you can mature. So you can be strong. So you can overcome the devil. So you can reach out and have the ability and the power and the know-how to reach out and change other people's lives. Am I, am I, am I preaching? Okay, is it? Oh, yeah, that's what we need. Don't stay there. Don't stay there in your walk with God. Don't stay there in your prayer life. Continue to grow in it. Continue. Let that prayer life be more intensified. Let your Bible reading be so uh, anointed that that word of God just jumps out and ministers to you. Don't stay here. That's what the enemy is saying. Stay here in consecration. Stay here in your life of prayer in attainment of the likeness of Jesus Christ. The law of the Christian life is always advanced, always leaving that which is behind, always reckoning that you have not attained, always following on to know the Lord. So I'd say amen. That's what he's saying. Let's not stay here. We've got a nice church. It's warm in the winter, cool in the summer, comfortable seats. We can go and come as we please. God, don't let us be content. Stir our hearts. Move us, Father. Put way down in here a hunger for the move of God. Something that's larger than anything in the world. I want God to touch my life. Years ago, we used to call them five and ten cent stores. The dime store is what we call them. You remember when they called them the dime store? You younger folks wouldn't know what I'm talking about. It would be Walmart today. This young lady was saved in the church. And they believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she saw the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and she just wanted it so bad. She desired to be filled with the Holy Ghost and have that anointing and be able to speak that heavenly language and, and live with victory in her soul and see the manifestation of the, of the gifts of the Spirit. 
She went one day downtown to the five and ten cent store. And she walked up to the counter and the lady behind the counter said, Can I help you? She said, yes, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What can I do for you? I want the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine being that on fire for God? Can you imagine having that? Listen, I believe she received it. God, give us that hunger. Give us that desire. Give us that anointing. Look at what my last few lines say. Where are you In your spiritual journey today. Are you staying at Gilgal? Are you saying I've come far enough. And staying at Bethel? Are you tired? You feel like you've already arrived. And we're going to stay at Jericho. Or have you arrived at the Jordan? Seen it as it allowed you to cross over on dry ground. And experience a powerful move of God in your life. And there, listen at me, listen at me. And there you received a double portion. Elisha got back to the prophets. Listen at me. Elisha got back to the prophets. And those 50 prophets said, we better go look for Elijah. Because he's probably been thrown up against a mountain or rock somewhere. And he's, he's, he's dead out there in the desert. Elisha said, no. Don't look for him. You won't find him. When we face death. My mother died on Sunday morning. I got the word as I was at the church. I went back home, of course, to be with the body, but I I didn't look for her no more. She was home. And the enemy will come against us at death and say, hey, you've lost this. You've lost that. If they know the Lord, don't look for them any longer. Let them go home. It it may not have been a chariot of fire or horses of fire, but let me tell you, the angels of heaven have ushered in them right into the presence of the Lord Jesus. Don't look. Don't look for them no more. Don't mourn over them no more. Don't hurt over them no more. And it does hurt. And we know that. We're going to go look for them. He said, go ahead. They went and searched for three days. But they could have searched for 30 days or 130 days. They never would have found Elijah. Because he was gone. He was gone. Elisha went to the next town. He got there. And this great big town was suffering. Because the water had turned bitter and poisonous. I, I, I thought this was interesting. His last miracle was using that mantle to part the Jordan. And now he goes to the next town. And this whole town is suffering. They don't have water. And they said, can you help us? And he finds a tree limb. And he throws it in the water. I think this is the one where he throws it in the water. But anyway, the water was made sweet. And it had life in it again. Did you know that Elisha 
performed about twice as many miracles as Elijah did. He received the double portion of the blessings.